Hello and welcome to Food Systems, a podcast from the Forum for the Future of Agriculture, where we discuss ideas that can shape a sustainable food system, from farm to fork, from policy to consumers, and everything in between. I'm your host, Robert DeGraff, and you can find us on Twitter at Forum for Ag. These episodes will be available every other week on all major podcast platforms. Before we get started, we would like to say a quick thank you to the FFA founding partners, the European Landowners Organization and Syngenta, as well as the FFA strategic partners, Cargill, the Nature Conservancy, Thought for Food and the World Wildlife Fund. Please enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Food Systems. Today we're going to be talking about precision agriculture and data management with Matthias Sulch. He is the CEO and founder of Agrivi, a company specializing in these activities. Uh, Matthias, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Robert, for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, let's get get straight into it. Given the range of services uh, your company offers, there appears to be a heavy reliance on both farmers knowing how to work computers to maybe an advanced level, as well as high-speed data access in rural areas. Given your experience, how does this work out in practice, especially when you're talking about smaller farms? Yeah, actually, the technology has been present on farm uh, for a while, and uh, the things are often better than we think. Uh, so at the moment, farmers are using smartphone on a daily basis uh, to read uh, and browse and surf the news uh, that's happening uh, uh, in their region. And uh, we can see that currently the situation is uh, quite good and positive for digital technologies. So they can, uh, they have the devices uh, needed, uh, they, they have uh, connectivity needed. Altogether, uh, we see that uh, the adoption uh, has started to take off. Uh, so compared to the 10 years ago when everything started, uh, it's a much better situation. And I think that currently the market is ripe uh, for, for adoption of digital technologies. So you would say that farm size and maybe farm income is not a high barrier to using these types of products and tools? Well, in, uh, in developed car- countries, uh, it's definitely not. In developing countries, uh, you can find problems with connectivity in some areas, but uh, altogether, the situation is much, much better. Even in the de- developing markets, we can see the, the high percentages of uh, smartphones at the moment. So they are off uh, from feature phones to smartphones. So we can see that the situation is getting better and better. Well, let's broaden the scope a little bit beyond just the phones, because the type of services your company offers, some of them require soil sensors, advanced machinery, more capital intensive inputs mm-hmm. like that. Do you think that as this developed, that the farms that can afford more of the high cost items will become more efficient, they'll become better at their job than the smaller farms that may not be able to afford the full range. Mm-hmm. So do you think there will be a bigger gap between the larger farms that can afford the technology sets and the smaller ones that will lag behind? Well, there definitely is a gap at the moment. And uh, uh, what we can see that uh, farms are uh, farms are currently in a situation where some of them uh, need to take the burden of uh, adopting the technology. And in some ecosystems, we can see that uh, the rest of the ecosystem t- uh, is contri- contributing to that. For example, food companies are bringing in the technology to, su- to help farms uh, adopt it uh, to secure the sustainability of their supply chains. We see uh, input companies uh, that bring uh, uh, seeds, fertilizers, chemicals to farms, also bringing technology to farms uh, and covering the cost of technology. So really depending currently on, uh, on the market and ecosystem, there is a different situation. 
but the gap is uh, is closing and we can see that uh, in a lot of countries there are subsidies for adoption of technologies for example in europe europe european union is uh, subsidizing uh, uh, adoption of technology to farms so farms can get uh, a lot of uh, a lot of technology for a much uh, a lower price for them as you say, input producers are providing these technologies, uh, food chain companies are starting to provide these technologies. Mm -hmm. Do you see a future where farmers themselves could become so reliant on these external providers delivering the services that they need to run their farms that farms will lose a chunk of their independence because they become so reliant on external providers of technology? I, I, I don't think that uh, this is an, uh, a negative situation where food companies are bringing uh, the know-how, the technology and uh, trying to make their supply chain sustainable because farms in the end can choose and switch to another company that offers maybe better service uh, that provides more value to them. So it's not that farmers are locked in, so they can always find another buyer for them. I don't see that uh, there is uh, there, there is losing independence on a farmer level. I believe that this is a positive situation where farmers are not taking all the burden uh, of adopting the technology. Uh, and we all know that uh, the margins uh, are the lowest at the farmer level. So I think that the uh, contribution of the rest of the supply chain and ecosystem altogether is a positive situation. If if food service if food chain companies and, and input providers provide these services. Mm -hmm. Do you think that that will be essentially also to the financial benefit of the farmer or will the bills essentially become for these services will just become part of the payment and it doesn't actually improve the farm income. It just shifts more of the margin around because now you're mm -hmm. accepting services as well as uh, paying for a product. No, I think that uh, it, it, there needs to be a win-win situation. What we can see currently on, uh, by working with a lot of directly farms, but also working with food companies and helping them manage their agricultural supply chains, uh, we can see if, if we take, uh, for example, uh, when, when there is a bad quality delivered, usually currently farmer takes that burden of, uh, of uh, not receiving the price or really uh, wasting that, uh, that part of the produce that is being delivered, not the food company. The food company uh, finds additional volume uh, on the other side. So by bringing uh, the complete uh, package, a vertically integrating supply chain, uh, food companies are currently trying to bring know-how, how to deliver the desired quality and not uh, so that farmer actually gets all the price and uh, it has the high has high yields uh, doesn't uh, spray late or harvest too early so that that food uh, contains too high uh, pesticide residues and then everybody loses so i think that uh, all together if we take a look at uh, from consumer perspective uh, if we want to eat uh, healthy nutritious safe food um, Currently, with rising standards and everything, there needs to be a cooperation between uh, the stakeholders. So, on my end, I really see it as as the way forward. I was reading some of the material on your company's website, and in a in one of your blog posts, I think from this year, you said that experience shows that farmers increase their profitability from fifty up to one hundred percent in the first two years of using digital agriculture solution. Mm -hmm. Those are very big increases in in profit. Can you explain how that works in practice? 
So um, let, let me give you a few examples. Uh, so in, in uh, average, farmers lose uh, 20 to 40 percent of their yields just because of uh, late crop protection uh, or inadequate uh, crop protection on so on yearly basis. So we, with our uh, with our solutions, we provide uh, uh, early risk uh, warnings for pests and diseases to farms so that they can make measures timely. Uh, and uh, so we try to save their yields uh, through that. We cut costs as well, because if you react uh, late, you need to use more crop protection products. So that's uh, more costly as well. So that's just one of the example. The other example is um, when, we see, uh, when we see practices that farmer apply, for example, two neighbors uh, that are growing uh, for the same food company. And um, one of the, uh, they, they receive the same inputs uh, per surface. One of them has 40 tons of potato per hectare, the other has 25 tons of potato per hectare. Uh, by sharing agronomic practices and uh, sharing practices that, re uh, that really achieve the best quality, the best yields, farmers are again improving their, uh, their yields and receiving more, more uh, profitability. So these are just a few of the examples uh, where farmers can improve their, um, their, their income altogether. And if we know that uh, really the profit margin is low, uh, achieving a 50 to 100 percent of increase in profit margin is not that hard, actually. It's really about taking care of uh, uh, agronomic practices timely and doing uh, the best possible things to protect your crops. This brings me to an interesting uh, point, which is if in a certain geographical area or across a country, a lot of farmers start applying these technologies and they all have better yields because of the processes you just described, wouldn't the end result simply just be a flooding of the marketplace rather than an improved payment for, for everybody involved? You mean if everybody performed well on the market that this would, this would be not positive for the entire market and ecosystem? Is that the question? Essentially, you would vastly increase the supply and if there's no more extra demand then mm -hmm. the, the price must go down yeah well well that's uh that, that's the key of uh really improving the collaboration uh, be, uh in the ecosystem so improving really the co collaboration with food companies improving uh, uh, shortening the supply chains uh, having really short, short short supply chains and access to consumers where farmers are growing what's needed not what they think that uh, it's needed so this is also part of collaboration within the ecosystem uh, usually what we can see if one year corn corn price is great everybody is uh, sowing corn next year so I don't think that uh, that's the best uh, best approach so addressing the actual actual market demand having tightened relationships uh, between the market uh, is uh, is something that could help in if everybody performs well that's at least how uh, I believe that it should be, because uh, I don't believe that we should uh, we should uh, stick with those differences among agricultural practices and uh, so unsustainable practices overall. So let's turn towards the other end of that spectrum then. One of the other things that you provide on your website is a case study of a company called Vegitech, yeah. where one of the, the solutions provided is QR codes so that customers have traceability mm -hmm. and more information. Um, in your experience, what percentage of consumers actually perform these scans and what does that tell us about their behavior? Well, we can see an increasing, uh, increasing trend of uh, so-called latte food, so local, authentic, uh, transparent, traceable and ethically grown food. And we can see that trend uh, over, all over the globe happening. 
So uh, the application of QR codes, for example, uh, that we uh, in this spe specific Vegetech case was they they, they supply uh, high-end hotels and chefs there uh, want to be sure that they can uh, use and see how actually all the veggies they receive are produced. And they position those QR codes uh, when you have breakfast in hotel uh, that um, hotel guests uh, can scan it out and see, see how it performs. So it's not that everybody will do that, but the possibility to do that uh, is already good enough evidence and increases the trust level. So that's, uh, that's the key, to increase the trust level, to showcase that you are transparent and that if somebody wants, can see that. So it's really showcasing that... Uh, traceability and transparency. I was just genuinely curious whether or not on your end you have visibility of the percentage of people that scan these codes. Do you, do you know how many people on average out of 100 do such a thing or is that something that your company doesn't have access to? We don't have access to that because uh, we would need to have access to actually all the, all the consumers, uh, that uh, number of consumers that bought products. So we don't have that data. The model you're describing is mm -hmm. a application of technology and I think it is maybe fair to say that's a refinement of certain agricultural uh, practices but there mm. are also many voices out there in the global community that say that the, the current mo broad model of industrialized mechanized modern farming is de facto harmful to communities and the environment. Uh, do you believe software and connected hardware can overcome these concerns or are we re merely refining a system that fundamentally doesn't work? I think that uh, digital technologies are crucial for ach achieving sustainability. And if we don't, uh, if we will fear of technology and uh, think that technology is evil, we will not achieve sustainability. We will not turn back to uh, regenerative farming uh, that we all desire. When we take a look currently, what the the concepts that farmers are using today in industrialized farming, we can see that they don't change their behavior so easily. So you don't have enough agronomists going out of universities that, that will work with farms and uh, address, uh, address uh, the need and consult them to change the behavior. And digital technologies are the fastest way to provide cookbooks, really tailor-made advice that uh, serves uh, all the food safety standards, all the sustainability standards. And I don't believe that uh, without the digital technologies, we will meet 230 agenda, 250 agenda or any other sustainability agenda. Another aspect that I wanted to discuss with you is that one of the key concerns over the last couple of years, certainly for farmers, has been data privacy and data security. Mm -hmm. Who yeah. has access to all this data that is being produced? How do you see this relationship between farmers and data processors, companies such as yours, but also food chain entities? How do you see that evolving? That's that's the right question. Uh, who has access to data? Uh, and uh, this is being regulated. For example, in Europe, it's really regulated well uh, with the GDPR and everything. So you have farmers uh, in Europe are very, very well informed who has access to their, their data and they control it. So that's important. So if they want to have data removed from any service, any service provider needs to remove it as well. So altogether, the regulation is uh, regulation is there. So already today, the only question is how well farmers are actually informed, how well they read uh, the terms of service, uh, what they consent with. Uh, but for example, when we take a look from our, our standpoint, uh, our company providing service to farms, farmers have full control over they, their data. So no data can be utilized without their consent. 
in about, let's say, in the time span of five years, out of this whole set of precision farming tools, software technologies, what do you think will be much more visible in, in the farm landscape and mo most used by farmers? Is it going to be uh, digital software products or drones or other machinery? What do you think, where is the next sort of quick leap forward going to be? I think that the uh, digital software products uh, will have a faster penetration than a lot of hardware simply because it's less uh, cost intensive and uh, this will be one level but uh, everything has its application we will see more and more automated solutions more 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 and more robotics uh, simply because lack of labor so at the moment, uh, uh, fruit growers, veggie growers that have a uh, high intense production have a lot of problems with the shortage of labor and uh, there needs to be a replacement for that. So uh, robots uh, will definitely will see rising application of harvesters uh, that are picking strawberries, that are picking uh, blueberries. We will see that more and more on farms. but. Uh, in the end, uh, it's not uh, also it's it's not taking jobs of farmers. It is uh, replacing the lack of farm uh, lack of workers and workforce uh, in agriculture. Uh, what we can ex expect is uh, first of all, yeah, softer products uh, having a faster pace of adoption than harder products. Uh, uh, following that, uh, and in the end, robotics uh, that still takes time actually to have um, cost uh, cost viability. That will also have an interesting impact on the social and cultural aspects of farming communities, because mm -hmm. as you say, there is a lack of, lack of farm workers at the moment. That's something that will, I agree with you, likely grow in the future. But if mm -hmm. there's only a handful of farmers left with a rather lot of machinery, what does that mm -hmm. do to the social structure? What does it do to, to rural areas and the people who live there? What we are trying to do as a company, but I think that there are more people worldwide that are uh, trying to do that is is to make agriculture sexy again to young generations. And that's important, actually, to make it attractive. And here is when, when we take a look where they are moving away, because it's hard work. They, the young, new generations don't want to work hard. And there is a lot of risk involved, uh, market risk, uh, climate risk involved. If, we, if new business models are uh, provided in a way where farmers uh, are brought uh, actually with less risk, so that's why I believe in that vertical integration and uh, joint support of the ecosystem. If, uh, if there is a secured market, if there is know-how brought to farmers, if there is uh, a device uh, provided there, uh, then a lot of new generations will consider this uh, as not so risky job and they will be attracted to that. But uh, as well, technology needs to be there because new generations are currently born with technology. That's also positive side of uh, attracting uh, new generations to, uh, to farms. We're coming up on the close of the end of the podcast, and I want to ask you the same question that we ask of everybody that comes on. What would be your one single policy or a practical idea to create a, a, a more fully sustainable food system? Ob obligatory traceability. That would be one policy. Everybody needs to have to showcase full traceability of the production. That would be one policy that I would uh, bring in because uh, this will uh, this will impact directly on actual applications uh, of inputs uh, that at the moment are disrupting our health, our planet altogether. So sustainability, and uh, we would be uh, we as consumers uh, we would more easily choose. Uh, uh, the products that are sustainably grown, that, that are uh, using the practices that we like. So trace, uh, traceability would be my policy.
Matthias Zorch, uh, CEO, CEO and founder of Agrivi, thank you so much for joining Food Systems today and talking to us. Thank you, Robert, for inviting me. It was a pleasure. You've been listening to an episode of Food Systems, a podcast brought to you by the Forum for the Future of Agriculture. Look for us in two weeks when we release our new episode. And in the meantime, please don't forget to subscribe on your podcast app as well as on Twitter, at Forum Frag, for updates on this podcast, news, as well as FFA events. Please check out our website, www.forumforagriculture.com, for more great content. Thank you for listening and enjoy your day.